kicking off part three, figure that game out. Session one, we talked about what it means to be about the vision, the desire. Where's the game going? Then we looked at what it means to stay inspired. How do we keep the game going? So where's the game going? How do we keep the game going? Today, we're talking about influence, making the game easier for all of us as we interact with others, as we lead in any context or sphere, we want to do what we can to tip the advantage in our favor. Life is hard enough. You're going to do hard things. You're going to attempt hard things. So how do we do that? Well, you've got the notes that we sent out in the email, the worksheet, and we could probably put the link to that in the chat if you want to. Uh, but number one, you can see at the beginning of that, we are playing three kinds of games. These are the games that everybody's playing. This is the top of your notes there. Remember, there are three kinds of games we play. Now, this knowledge that I'm going to cover today is dangerous for the first two games. So if you're playing the kind of games where you just want to increase status and approval, you can use what I'm going to teach you today to sway others. If you want to use these just to rebel and find your own path and react to the shoulds and the should nots, you're going to be able to get your way a lot more uh, easier than you would without these. But we want to be the kind of leaders who are playing vision and desire games. And in a healthy, secure way, we're trying to build amazing teams. We're helping people become the best of who they can become. So let me just state it directly to you. Seeking to increase your influence or persuasion isn't inauthentic. That's the pushback that people start to have when they're the kind of people that you and I are or want to become. Healthy, safe, empowering leaders focused on developing others. What happens in those situations is people go, well, if I'm seeking to increase my influence and persuasion as much as I can, isn't that inauthentic? No. And the reason it's not is because it doesn't, um, to, to develop this skill is embracing the full capacity of who you are, who you are as a leader, who you are as a person. And here's the thing, if you don't, a dangerous leader will. They'll fill that vacuum. This has been proven throughout human history. Uh, as a little side note here, nomorerobotkingdoms.com is an audio and a long form article where I spent a lot of time and a lot of years deconstructing how manipulative leaders pull off the what, pull off, you know, leading a lot of people astray. It's possible. What you and I, though, can take these skills and use them to grow others. So let's get right into it. As we frame these, I want you to think about it this way. It's not about correcting people, but completing what they are processing. So you don't want to correct. You want to instead complete. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, ideologies and beliefs are a half story. So some of you know this about my past. Some of you don't that I personally led as the main leader in three different contexts in helping churches turn around. So that means they've got to sell buildings, they've got to let go of attachments to the things that they care about and embrace a new vision. How entrenched do you think people are when it comes to being attached to the form and function of all that is around them in those worlds? I mean, I'm 22 years old and way too much responsibility for my age. I got this big, giant wooden pulpit, and I didn't like it. So I had this guy who made great furniture in the uh, in the church make me this uh, stand 
that was four legs. You could see through it. Amazing. I could talk. I could communicate. I could connect. I still remember coming down into the hallway and this towering figure lambasting me, physically throbbing with energy, ready to push me up against the wall because his grandfather had made that big, giant pulpit that was centered on the Earth's axis. And I had thrown off the Earth's gravitational pull by moving it. You know, when you talk about the kind of things that people are attached to, their ideologies, their beliefs. This is everything that we're going through in this country right now as we see these warring uh, factions on so many different things. And when you're starting to do persuasive work, when you're starting to do influence, the beginner mistake that everybody makes is they try to correct people. I have stood in front of rooms that are 100% against the ideas that I'm trying to bring across to them, that they've invested years and years and years, and I have seen myself do a terrible job trying to correct and convince them only to have things crash and burn. And I've learned the hard way over and over and over. It's not my job to correct and convince people. Instead, what do I do? And I'm going to borrow this phrase from a resource. I'll tell you about it in a second. I want to validate and fascinate them. I want to validate and fascinate them. There's a book called The One Sentence Persuasion Course. I think it's like $3.99 on Amazon. The One Sentence Persuasion Course. That's the point he makes in this book. Don't correct and convince. Instead, validate and fascinate. We want to come to people and help them where they are, join us where we are. So the way I like to think about this is all beliefs and all ideologies are just half stories. There's some truth in there. It's just not the whole truth. So what I'm trying to do when I take people on a journey is not correct where they are, but complete where they are. This fits everything that is the ethos about what it means for you to be a healthy, safe, secure leader, that you're guiding people to this future, that you're not resisting where they are, but you're just accepting it. 90% of the conflict that people have in trying to bring about an increase of influence or persuasion or lead change is because they're fighting and resisting rather than just accepting where that person is and what's going on. And the way that I can tell somebody's doing that is when they start to try to explain everything. Once you're in a place that you're explaining, you need to know that you're losing. You start over-explaining. You start over-explaining metaphors. You start giving too much context. Here it is, and you can see this there in the notes. Validate or seek to be validated. That's really the choice. I put two paths before you today. <laughs> do you seek to be validated or do you validate? You say, well, okay, Chris, wait a second. This is why I have a problem with persuasion and increasing your influence. It's inauthentic because if you're validating somebody, aren't you pandering to them? You could be. You could be. Let me just pause right here. I know some of you have had some not necessarily terrible experience with your parents. Uh, some of you have had terrible experiences. But some of you have just had experiences where you weren't attended to very well. You were ignored. You were Something was forced or pushed over you. When I think about this and reflect on this in my own life, would I rather have somebody that I love, that I'm leaning on for help and security and transformation, be completely unaware and violate what I need or pander to me a little bit and help me get what I need? <laughs> 
So I offer that to you just as a different way of thinking about this. But really, if we're secure in who we are, we're not pandering. We're not unaware. We're validating them with an authentic motive. And, and that's where we want to live. But I'm just offering that to you as something to think about. I, you know, I don't want either. But if I've got to choose, I'd rather have somebody pander to me than roll over me. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through 10 commandments of increasing your influence to help you take this journey in the fullest way possible to complete the story for people. Number one, I want you to be the cause, not the effect. Be the cause, not the effect. I don't know if you've seen the movie Mad Max Fury Road. Incredible, low-key, uh, very slow-paced film. <laughs> opposite. And on one part, this guy had built this water cult to keep water coming to himself. And he got a bunch of young men to sacrifice their lives for his cause. In other words, he got them to build an identity around doing what he wanted. So he got what he needed. And if they were going to die for the cause, they would spray paint their mouth gray and go, witness me. And then they'd go give their lives in death. If you can start to see how most people are not the cause, they're the effect. Almost everyone is walking around saying to each other, witness me, validate me. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you feel me? And we want to be the kind of people that understand that that dynamic's happening. People are walking around with a giant empty container in them saying, give me what I need. Give me what I need. And if we're the cause, not the effect, we don't fall into that trap. I can go on a date night with my wife and, you know, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. Where do you want to go to dinner? Where do you want to go to dinner? I'm going to give her a plan to react to. How about we go here? If she doesn't like it, she can tell me. Or I can ask her, what's your plan, right? Either way, I'm kicking a process off. This is what it means to be an audacious person who helps people grow. That you can stand in front of a room where 100% of the people are against an idea. That you could go into a team meeting and 100% of the people are going to be against the idea. But you understand, I only need 10% to get on board. Freakonomics has done the work on this to find out that if 10% of the people can get on board with the idea that you're already there, it's just a matter of time before the other 90% get there. If there's somebody, you know, upgrading the narrative and bringing the impact. And for you, for you and I to be the leaders who can be the cause, not the effect, it means we have the courage to be misunderstood. That the stories that we tell around the office, the things that we lean into and that we don't avoid or tolerate are constantly shaping the culture. We are the cause, not the effect. You can find some of this in the academy in the Figure That Leadership Out course. I teach you a lot about audacity there and the Figure That Workout about what it means to eat with everyone, to encourage, to hold them accountable, to train them. Be the cause, not the effect. Number two, be decisive even when uncertain. Am I certain about every decision? No. Can I admittedly state that? Absolutely. But I don't want to I don't want to deliver it with a mumbling state of shame. I used to have an office in the cool part of the town that I live in and I'd come out of the office and inevitably you would be asked for help from homeless people. Whatever your viewpoint on these things are, I tend to like to help just whatever. But even though I like to help, even though I look for ways to help, even though I'm, I'm probably doing some things that other people say I shouldn't. In the name of helping, I had a juxtaposition that I found fascinating. A guy come up to me and ask for help. 
you know, it's a hard time. Mumbling and asking for help, a lot of shame. And then a guy came up to me right after that. Eyes wide open. Hey, man, came on some hard times. I need some help. Anything you can do matters. I mean, just energy, no shame. Even though I will help people, I was shocked at the different approach that I found in my own body based on how he was asking. And at the time, I was having to ask friends for help in different ways, and it transformed how I was going to them. I'm not going to come to them in shame. I'm going to be de decisive even when uncertain. Number three, use appealing visuals for solutions. Use appealing visuals for solutions. If you want to be effective at persuasion and influence, you understand people don't think logical or linear. If I describe to you, sorry to offend any vegans, we're like paradoxical in our family, so we're like vegan a lot of times, but then other times, you know. If I were to describe to you a new barbecue restaurant that opened up in a town that I enjoy going to nearby, and I said all of the science about the perfect barbecue, about this temperature and the molecular composition, and blah, 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 boring, boring, boring. People start to check out. But if I tell you, this chef cracked a code on this beer cheese and, and the taste of the brisket is so mouthwatering it needs nothing, but you add the beer cheese on there and that combo experience is a combo experience like few things I've ever had. Now we're talking. People don't naturally hear things logical or linear. They experience them. One of the things we're doing right now with our certified coaches, I'm describing our meeting like pieces of pie. I didn't have to like analytically, logically think through that. It's, it's coming out relational, but this is what we do. Why do we talk so much about being the tree? Because you got to understand the seasons and where you are. It's much easier for your brain to get around that. Now, for those of you that are in places where you've got to really affect a lot of change, sometimes you have to trash the other solution. It doesn't mean you have to be a super negative person. It's just you got to do what you got to do to be influential and persuasive. Number four, be boringly consistent for what you're known for. Be boringly consistent for what you're known for. Ah, Chris, I knew there'd be somewhere. And this is it. This is terrible. You can't be persuasive if you're boringly consistent for what you're known for. Well, please fill in the blank underneath that. David Bowie was still David Bowie. He's coming out in a weird outfit. He's doing something with his hair. He was boringly consistent for what he was known for, even though it was still creative. People follow confidence and repetition. They don't follow explainers. But you can, number five, surprise with upgrades and adaptations. Surprise with upgrades and adaptations. In other words, you're the kind of person who can change your mind, who can upgrade your mental models, the metaphors with which you organize your life. You understand that 50% of what we believe at any given time in society is wrong. And that there are always going to be ways to know it and explain it and share it and visualize it better. We're in process. And if we're going to be as influential and persuasive as possible, part of the surprise with upgrades and adaptations, when you've got an issue that you're trying to move a room on, you can surprise them that you can share their viewpoint better than they can share it.
You can state it better than they can state it. You can, you can cast a vision for it better than they can cast a vision for it. That is impact. Six, redirect when critiqued from higher ground. Redirect when critiqued from higher ground. You're interacting with your team. You're trying to lead them to some change, the organization, an individual. Most fun way to illustrate this with you is the Steve Jobs iPhone debacle. You know, oh my gosh, these new iPhones, they dropped the calls. Remember the, he had worked so hard and then he went to Hawaii. He's trying to relax. And there's this fury over all these iPhones that are dropping calls. And so he just said, yeah, phones do drop calls. He didn't make a statement about iPhones dropping calls. You know, when we were uh, pursuing a different strategy with SightShift and I was raising prices a few times a year, you know, on this plan, it's all relative. To some people it was, oh yeah, okay, here. Some people, oh, that's expensive. You're right. I do require an investment. <laughs> that's it. All I'm doing is agreeing but I'm not necessarily, because I know their perspective matters, but it's still relative. All I'm doing is agreeing and getting to a higher ground. Now, I will say this, team critique is different. If you're on a leadership team with me, I'm not trying to redirect anything. I want a thousand small critiques and one big one if we need it. <laughs> I'm all ears. I wanna be shaped and impacted by the team as much as possible. But when you're leading in large scale influence and persuasion, you're always going to be critiqued more than you can answer to or adapt for. Seven, destabilize when necessary. Destabilize when necessary. You say, Chris, that doesn't sound very nice. It's not mean to shake someone up in a nonviolent way. It's not mean or unkind to help them find where they're standing isn't solid ground. How can you be that kind of person? Well, this is in the parentheses there. Be unoffendable. Be unoffendable. Now, this is a technique that I would use sparingly. But if you're the kind of person who doesn't have an allergic reaction to ideas and conversations, I can try on any idea. It doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Then it means that I can sparingly use the ability to either affirm or attack their center. I can use visuals. I can use questions. I can tell stories. I mean, I've had to walk through change and persuasion and influence with individuals and teams and big organizations. And sometimes I've got to use a powerful visual to break through to them. Sometimes I've got to use the right question. Now, it's up to me to check my motive on this because some leaders destabilize and create crisis so they can keep power so they can keep the organization dependent on them or so that they can stay engaged. If you're doing it for one of those three reasons, you're coming at it from an insecure identity. Number eight, predict reactions, not circumstances. The trap that leaders fall into is trying to predict circumstances. You'll never be able to predict circumstances. You can predict reactions. Now, when I talk about predicting reactions. I'm talking about using mental models to anticipate where human behavior is headed next. Now, I teach you a lot of these in the Figure That Leadership Out course. So you can go back to that. I think it's section six or seven. But for an example, the four phases of a team, forming, storming, norming, performing. This is high level knowledge, very meta at a principled level. 
but you can predict the reaction of a team because when you come in with something new, there's a forming energy and then there's a storming energy and you can predict that reaction. It increases your ability to be influential or persuasive. Number nine, crisis won't tarnish or kill you. Crisis won't tarnish or kill you. What hurts people's influence in a crisis moment is they start panicking. And I'm going to give you the five best principles to enact in a crisis. There's a whole 40-minute audio on this, I think it is, in the Figure That Leadership Out course. But I'll hit these briefly. This is from Jack Welch of GE. And I know people are like, hey, he just financialized GE. He didn't really grow it. Who cares? These five are amazing. Number one, maybe I should do A, B, C, D, E, since this is number nine, crisis won't kill you. A, it's worse than it appears. As soon as a crisis starts to appear in my life with my daughter, with my wife, with a friend, with a team, with an organization, I don't care who it is. I always go into this mode. This is worse than it appears. Do you know what that does to make me mentally sharp and aware to lean into the situation? Number two, or B, there are no secrets in the world. Everyone's going to find out everything. Half of the Twitter wars I see where companies go through a crisis and get tarnished, it's because they try to walk through it in a way that no one will find this out. Everyone finds out everything eventually. And if you think that way, you're going to lead better. C, our organization and its handling will be seen in the worst possible light. If I just accept that right from the beginning, I'm going to be leading through this in a better way. If you're leading a team of two people and you're coming in to a little mini crisis, you don't have to be super dramatic about it. It's worse than it appears. There are no secrets and not everyone's going to understand what you're doing. When, we, when your team is three and you handle it, you're going to be slightly misunderstood. When your team is 10 and you handle it, you're going to be medium misunderstood. When there's 100 people, there are people in the hallways talking, yeah, you know what? She just got really power hungry. They don't even know the story. And when you accept all these realities, you start to know how to walk through these moments. D, under crisis won't tarnish or kill you. Changes will occur. There will be blood on the floor. Systems are going to die. New ones are going to start. People may have to leave. E, you'll be okay. You'll grow through it. You'll be better for it. Now, I, I don't share other content from other places often unless it's world-class and amazing. And those five things are world-class and amazing under crisis. But 10, 10th commandment. This one's going to be the hardest one for some people. The group is usually wrong. The group is usually wrong. We know it. Robert Keegan's done the longest studies on how adults develop and grow. 60% of adults around that number can't even conceive of an identity separate from the groups they're a part of. They're saying continually, how do I need to believe and behave so I can belong with you? They are playing status and approval games. In other words, do the lemmings march off the cliff? Yeah, 60% of them. 30% of people want to be better than that, so they're having a reactive identity. They don't even know it. They're just proving something. Well, I don't know what I am, but I'm not that. Guys, this is what shapes everything in our society. Financial opinions, medical opinions. It's crazy. Somewhere between 1% and 9% of people 
are playing vision and desire games, learning who they are, best they can, trying to stare reality down. Now, that's the kind of people you are or you want to be. That's the kind of person that I want to be. And if I'm going to be that kind of person, then I got to know. And that's how this all goes back full circle. I've got to be willing to be the cause, not the effect. Now, I want to give you one practical exercise to build on some knowledge I've shared with you before to increase your ability to live all 10 of these in the moment. To validate rather than seek to be validated. And here it is. We talk about the leader empath sage. And in the leader empath sage progression through figure that shift out, the leader brings energy, the empath matches it, and the sage creates empty space for people to reveal into. You can even think about your persuasion and your influence with what you do with your energy or your face. And so you can see at the bottom of your notes there in the blanks, first, just appreciate the fact that there's an energy voice in face. That's where you lead them with enthusiasm and direction. And you can practice all these in the mirror. Practice bringing more energy into your face. Bringing more energy into your voice. But, but you serve these tactics. Or excuse me, these tactics serve you. You don't serve them. So don't just fall into one pattern. Also be the kind of person who can bring a blank voice and face. That's the sage. Then they're going to reveal. Am I, am I saying in a meeting with a person you're leading that you need to take on the look of somebody that has the a disassociative identity disorder? No, I'm not talking about scarily blank. I'm just talking about a blank affect. You're just considering, you're pausing, you're waiting. If it's easier for you to think about it this way, I've found a technique that helps people to show the blank face without it being scary. Just like you're holding your breath for a moment. Rather than... <laughs> Last... For those that listen to the audio lesson on this in the academy when we make this a course, they're going to be like, what, what was he doing with his face? Mirror voice and face. This is where we help them feel comfort. We're showing them back what they're showing us. Some of these you're going to use all the time. Be the cause, not the effect. Some of these you use sparingly. But when you're frustrated and when you're not being heard, Check yourself before you wreck yourself. You're trying to explain. You're trying to get validated. Rather, you want to complete the story and take them farther than they realize they could go. 